let's say Stephanie Kelton writes an op-ed. Well, she doesn't have, she's not writing a thesis. So she's got to cut it down. She's got to simplify things. And so then you can start debating, well, did, are people simplifying things the right way? Are they, are they doing little rhetorical tricks? And that's sort of, well, I don't know how you present it, but that's the thing is that you got to go in and say, look, you're objecting not really to the theory. You're objecting to uh, a popularization of the theory by one person. If you don't like the way they've written it, t- take it up with them. I mean, it's not like if uh, Krugman writes something uh, dubious in one of his op-eds, does that mean neoclassical macro is wrong? You know, that, that, no, no, no one, like that's sort of a standard that MMT is held to, but not any other school of thought. Welcome to Activist MMT, a podcast about real world economics, including modern money theory and how life changes when you discover it. I'm your host, Jeff Epstein. Today's part three of my three-part conversation with author, financial analyst, and applied mathematician, Brian Romanchuk. In part one, we talked about his journey to MMT and his 2021 book, Modern Monetary Theory and the Recovery. In part two, and today in part three, we talk about the various techniques used by bad faith critics of MMT. More broadly, these are some of the things simple bullies do when they would prefer their followers to think they're not bullies. This interview was inspired by chapter five of Brian's book, his recent appearance on MMT podcast, and my own post of several good faith critiques. Links to all these things can be found in the show notes. This interview inspired me to write a new post summarizing the techniques Brian and I discussed today, plus my own definition of a good faith critique. You can find a link to this post in the show notes, and you can go directly to it at activistmmt.org slash bfc hyphen techniques, bfc for bad faith critic. That's activist.org slash bfc hyphen techniques. These techniques are not exclusive to MMT, of course, but Brian and I share several anecdotes and link them to actual critiques and critics. And now let's get right back to my conversation with Brian Romanchuk. Enjoy. There's issues because once you start writing like a popularization, 
you know, let, let's say Stephanie Kelton writes an op-ed. Well, she doesn't have, she's not writing a thesis. So she's got to cut it down. She's got to simplify things. And so you know, then you can start debating, well, did, are people simplifying things the right way? Are they, are they doing little rhetorical tricks? And that's sort of, well, I don't know how you present it, but that's the thing is that you got to go in and say, look, you're objecting not really to the theory. You're objecting to uh, a popularization of the theory by one person. If you don't like the way they've written it, t- take it up with them. I mean, it's not like if uh, Krugman uh, writes something uh, dubious in one of his op-eds, does that mean neoclassical macro is wrong? You know, that, that, no, no, no one, like that's sort of a standard that MMT is held to, but not any other school of thought. Like you got to say, look, okay, fine. If you don't like the way they present it, go ahead. And, and that's the thing. I mean, if, if you've got, you know, a a dozen people writing dozen op-eds a year, I'm sure there's going to be some stuff in there that people could object to, but yeah, I'll take it up with them. I mean, it's not, but it's, you know, why are you whining about this? I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's not really a substantive critique, you know, that, uh, if if all you're relying on is trying to interpret a few words in a popularization, you, you know you got to accept that you really don't have a grasp on what the act, you know the you know what the the deeper theory is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, a brief diversion uh, with Thomas Pally, uh, which I did not put on the notes. He actually okay, so he says this is a paragraph from Thomas Pally's thing. As regards to he, well, he basically just says that MMT, you know, printing. He says MMT's printing press economics has provided a simple counter to neoliberalism's claim that government has no financial space because it is akin to a private household. Uh, so he actually then has a footnote and he says his version of why the household analogy is false, and his three reasons are: number one, government can raise taxes to pay its bills while households cannot. Number two, governments can issue money to pay its bills. And number three, governments live forever where households don't. It's kind of just like like he was like, I kind of agree with MMT. And then he goes into his explanation of it, which is just like v- very odd way of, of thinking of the household analogy. Yeah, I mean – and be honest uh, it doesn't really uh it doesn't help that much because uh i mean he's just basically writing out what what the neoclassicals think so it's basically just a gigantic household yeah it's a gigantic household less but 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 still it's still uh i mean technically it's it still has a financial constraint and he's just written out the the constraints well yeah you know it's it but the government isn't exactly like a household but the point of the neoclass that it faces a financial constraint right and you know he's just he's actually agreeing with them and just saying but yeah it's not exactly well who cares i mean he's changing it he's yeah. He's changing it so he doesn't have to change it. That's basically yeah, what he's yeah, doing. Yeah, no because no one believes that it's exactly the same. Like no, no one's stupid enough to say the government <laughs> is exactly like a household. They know about that stuff, but <laughs> it's still. I mean, they they call it. It's the analogy is referring to because they introduce the at the beginning. Here's your household financial constraint. Oh yeah, by the way, the government has its own financial constraint. That's almost the same thing. Mm-hmm. Mathematically, they're they're very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, 
So another one with, uh, it's going to take me uh, just a minute to describe it. Uh, in your book, you say uh, section 5.2, non-answerable critiques, just don't like the politics. And this yeah. is how, how I would phrase this is MMT is wrong because if it were right, then it would be bad. So since it would be bad, it has to be wrong. So uh, like if MMT were right, it would put money creation in control of our corrupt you know, so-called elected leaders, the fiscal policy. And since government is hopelessly incompetent and corrupt, we can't allow that to happen. Therefore, MMT has to be wrong. And again, and kind of an extension, if MMT were right, then it would put, quote, the unwashed masses more in control of money creation. And that would cause unspeakable horror to the pocketbooks of the rich. Therefore, MMT must be wrong. What, what is left unspoken in my view is that the masses are unwashed because they're deliberately kept unwashed and the government is hopelessly incompetent and corrupt because it's deliberately kept hopelessly incompetent and corrupt and three simple examples are you know fed board members they're we're trying to elect or appoint some federal reserve board members and there's some you know those who care about all people are basically they're coming up with horrible things to to you know, get them ejected before they can have any chance of getting close to it. Trump appointed department heads that deliberately wanted to destroy those departments. DeVos, um, you know, several examples, Energy Department, and then Biden, he appointed department heads who don't necessarily want to obliterate those departments in the short term, but basically have committed to not let their powers loose. They won't. A Treasury Secretary won't mint a coin. The, the Education Secretary won't cancel student debt. And in fact, is doing, there's something in the news just a few days ago that someone got a $100,000 forgiveness from the courts and the education secretary is stepping in to try and stop it. So it's just like, um, so MMT is wrong because if it were right, it would be bad, but it's deliberately made that way. So. Yeah. um, yeah, I, I mean, usually the way they would phrase it, they'll just say they don't care. It's not a question of right or wrong. They just don't like it. Like I just say, well, they will just say it's just. I mean, the, the, the phrasing will be is, you know, the let's say they're a hard money person. It's just another funny money scream. Like I've, you know, it, I've seen that uh, variance of that phrasing a few million times over the years. So that that would be sort of the very typical phrasing. So they're not even discussing the theory. They're just saying, oh, it's just another uh, funny money scheme where the government prints money and blah, blah, blah. So they don't even want to debate the theory. They're just saying, well, who cares? Because it's bad, as you say. They, they, you know, they're worried about the sanctity of the, you know, the currency, the dollar, and you know, and, and there's sort of more sophisticated ones. Uh, like, you just have the Austrian, you like what you see on the internet is every fiat currency has failed and blah blah blah. So, so like and and it's you know like every person who's ever lived has died. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. Everyone, yeah, I mean that's it basically because uh, the currency is tied to a country. Every, every currency, like every country that is in existence, has failed. Well, yeah, no, no kidding. That's just a definition. But uh, <laughs> so so you you have sort of the straight you know simplistic political view. Then you do have the slightly, uh, well, the scientific neoclassical view and where they prove that fiscal policymakers have an incentive to run inflationary policy. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of the, 
I, I guess you could have a, I mean, you know, I, I, I mean, I think I put that under like a, almost a good faith. They're at least sort of saying they're, they're not really disputing the premises that government uh, of MMT. It's just more the consequence. They're just saying, look, if, if you unleash fiscal policy, if you say, if you say there's no constraints, no financial constraints, governments have a bias towards inflationary policy. And that's, that was sort of the big thing. That's, that's sort of the, for the mainstream, that was sort of their big shtick, you know, that there's a bias towards inflation. So you need an independent central bank to, to, to keep it under control. But that's, but that's the thing. That's, that's something that at least that you can debate uh-huh. uh, in a sense. But that's the thing is that, that that turns into a real debate. But for for the 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 ones I'd say were more bad faith is just like ah it's it's just it's just another lefty scheme and they just won't discuss it and mm-hmm. so that's because they're you know that's a bad faith because they're not taking the idea seriously at all like they're you know because technically no it's not necessarily any lefty it's it's just it's a theory about uh, the economy and so mm-hmm. it could be run so so that so that you sort of on that question, you can go from a bad faith to there are things that you could have actual debates about. So, so there, so people are on a spectrum. Can you address the unwashed masses part of it? Because that's a big deal. The unwashed mass, yeah, that's, um, yeah. I mean, for uh, well, usually the uh, modern right wingers try to be pseudo populists, uh, so they. I don't know if they, they do they use that phrasing anymore, but they'll 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 go after the politicians. I'll say the the politicians will I'll do it. So they'll say it's the politicians' fault, and you know, but but that's the thing. I mean, the subtext is yeah, they're giving the unwashed masses what they want, but I, I don't know. I mean, maybe I don't pay that much attention, but usually uh, conservatives try to at least pretend. You know, they try to be, pretend to be populist, so they'll they'll usually phrase it as you know the politicians politicians are doing it because they're being pushed by being pushed by the masses but mm-hmm. um, you know the their ires with the politicians and so it, it doesn't they just you know to a certain extent they don't care what the people think because they, they shouldn't have influence no matter what the people think the gov- uh, government shouldn't be uh, doing anything to help them and so it it, it solves the problem uh, okay. for, well, from their perspective. Okay. All right. So it's two more things, but they're a little bit more involved than the rest of them. Um, I, I don't know why, but it just kind of got me, you know, I just really was really thinking about these things. Um, so the next one is uh, MMT is, well, a, a derivation of the one we just talked about, which is MMT is wrong because if it were right, it would be bad, which your, your way of phrasing it is just don't like the politics. Yeah. Um, a derivation of that, as I see it, is killing the messenger because you don't like the message. It's like, you know, blaming the newspaper for the murder because they're reporting on the murder as opposed to, you know, being upset about the murder itself or doing something about the murder itself. And and I see this related to the unwashed masses thing because if you kill the messenger, then you're essentially – you're controlling the message and that prevents – the unwashed masses from even getting the idea that something might be bad or that better is possible because, you know, it's like then they might think of dissent. So 
you don't want dissent because if there is dissent, then that takes a lot more energy to to stop. So you outlaw the mere thought of dissent, which is this is the tone. This is the uh, the the. Uh, the central theme of a 1932 science fiction book. I can't recall the title of it, but of basically, you know, making thoughts unthinkable, which is a way of, if someone even thinks about dissent, then they get severe consequences, which, you know, makes actual dissent much less likely. So those in power don't necessarily care about the information. They don't care about MMT, the theory itself. What they care about is that if the public understands MMT and then the consequences of that, of activating it, of becoming convinced by MMT and then using it as a map to effectively demand better. Because actually I say effectively because I just spoke with Fadl Kaboob a couple of months ago and he was t- we were talking about the 2011 uh, Tunisian revolution. There was a revolution, an out-and-out revolution, and barely anything changed because in my view, they didn't know how what to ask for, and they didn't ask for it effectively, and there were some superficial changes, but not much changed. So basically, uneducated people are easier to control. Um, and you know, this brings up kind of slavery, keeping slaves uh, ignorant of not allowing them to have books and so on. Because even if they uprise, they'll do it in such an unorganized, uneducated fashion, it'll be much easier to to stop that. So uh, uh, there was a bunch of stuff, but I'll, I'll stop yeah. there. Yeah. Um, like I, I mean, it's, you know, I don't, I mean, uh, in, in the, the bigger picture, there is just the way, uh, partisan politics has evolved. And I guess, you know, certainly, you know, the, for the, the, you know, what the, the conservatives want, they, they, you know, they they have an objective. They want a small government, and so yeah, they don't want anything that would indicate yeah, the government can do useful stuff. They, you know, they want to shrink it so they can drown in a bathtub. Is uh, I don't know who, whoever that was. It uh, one one of the various uh, uh, American uh, free marketeers put it. So it's. You know that that's their overriding objective, and you know they don't. They're going to interpret MMT basically is that, you know, because say, oh look, if if government is effective, well that's no good, and it doesn't really matter whether it's technocrats or the masses. They just anything that indicates government can uh, do something useful for society. They want to shrink it. They want to shrink the welfare state. Um, you know, uh, for for whatever re- you know, the you can argue that you know the reason uh, is straightforward. If you have workers with less bargaining power, it's much better for capitalists. So ultimately, for the for those people, hey, that's great. Um, but the how do you how do you get a mass vote out of that? Because there aren't that many capitalists. So generally speaking, what they do it's it's cultural politics. So they'll they, they they're it's they called what what did you cultural politics cultural yeah um you know whatever all the uh, well uh, basic most most of the things you see uh, like right now there's uh, riots over in Canada even over uh, you know mask mandates and things like that which. Uh, 
there there might be some people with definite concerns, but it's it's basically it's a movement. You know, we've had a blockade organized by far right extremists, and they've got useful idiots to to tag along with, and. Um, economics to just say, you know, free market good. And that's the end of it. Free market good, government bad. And they don't want anything that narr- uh, that interferes with that narrative. So, yeah, I mean, they, they definitely they don't want people thinking about politics or economics too closely because the average person say, well, exactly how are these policies benefiting me uh, and not owners uh, and, and not not the rich people and it's it's a pretty uncomfortable uh, conversation so they they want to change it to anything else but that's going to be true whether it's mmt post keynesian it's it's very much uh they they want to basically have a narrative government bad needs to be shrunk and you can argue okay fine i mean the how much government interference do you want in the economy? Like it's a debate. Like it's it's a legitimate debate, but uh, their their preference is to uh, change the subject as much as possible mm-hmm. and just just leave as well. Oh, this is self evident that uh, free markets are better, and they mm-hmm. don't want to they don't want to start talking about the detail. Well, what if the government does X? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um... Okay. All right. So my last one, and this uh, actually I have a, a little story related to this. That is uh, in your book. You have uh, one another one of these items is critics get to define what MMT is, and how I phrase this as you don't define you, I define you. And you know we're talking about how straw men basically yeah. they create straw men, but I think it's it's such that. The MMT economists, the academics are seen as simply second-class citizens, as, as animals, as whatever, as not worthy of talking with, and therefore their work is not worthy of reading. And so from their point of view, it's not a straw man because they genuinely do get to define it. So they basically, you know, they can basically change it to whatever they want. And this actually brings up – actually, I, it really struck me how – I just read a book about Emmett Till, the 14-year-old boy in 1950s who lived in Arizona or who lived in Chicago, and he traveled okay. to Mississippi, and he you know, didn't realize the atmosphere and in, in the attitude in Mississippi, and he basically acted like an equal. How dare him? You know, he, act, right. he unknowingly acted like an equal, and that you know, said some whatever, some silly joke to a woman or whatever who, who – embellished it and got three men, three grown men to torture and kill this 14 year old boy and drown him in, in the lake. And it caused a, a trial that the three men got off uh, right. from the legal system, let them off. But it, but it was a, a significant milestone in, in whatever. And so right, there's, yeah. there's a scene in that book that actually really struck me that kind of accompanied my reading your book with this concept of I, you don't define you, I define you. And I'm going to just describe that scene. So, it's a historical fiction novel from the point of view of a 16-year-old white boy named Hiram. And so he's from Arizona, so he's a northerner as well, but his grandfather is from Mississippi. Um, so he meets 14-year-old Emmett in Mississippi when visiting his grandfather. And he, when he was nine years old, whatever, seven years previous, 
he visited his grandfather and was walking in the fields and he had sharecroppers. And he spoke to one of these sharecroppers. Hiram, the little boy, spoke to one of these sharecroppers. And, you know, it was just a pleasant conversation. And then they reached the end of a row. And briefly, the, the sharecropper set his hoe, the tool, down to just a stretch before starting the next row. The boy picked it up. The grandfather happened to see this and then said, how dare you basically, you know, use my son to try and do your job, you know. And, you know, if you if it catch you, do, you know, I'm paying I'm not paying you to to be lazy or whatever. And if you do that again, I'm going to make you miss lunch and work your breaks and whatever, whatever. And then right after he ta- he talks to Hiram, his grandson, and he says. Um, he says, God made Negroes to work the land. They don't feel they don't feel the heat like we do. They can work all day in the most hellish weather. They're strong people, good with their hands. You can do that too, but you were meant for more than that, than more than just working the fields. You were meant to be boss. So it's, you don't define you, I define you. So in one sense, he's, he's clearly, you know, it's clearly shown that he's not, he does feel the heat. He doesn't want to work through breaks. He's, you know, but then on the other hand, the grandfather is defining that person, which is in his, which is his way of justifying basically Blaming the exploiters for their own exploitation, blaming, you know, black people for the horrific treatment that they received because that's how God made them basically. So, you know, uh, that is related to these straw men in their eyes are not straw men because these MMT academics and their works, which are not in the highly ranked journals because they rank the journals – are worthy of not looking at. And so the straw men are not straw men. So I'll, I'll just leave it there. Yeah. Um, actually the, uh, well, I guess with regards to the anecdotes, one thing growing up in Canada, uh, Back in the day, the only news you'd get from the States would have been from network news. And uh, everything was sanitized. So to a certain extent, you know, growing up, you say, oh, okay, all, the, all this, uh, you know, race relations issues were sorted. But, uh, yeah, I guess the uh, propaganda things, the more you learn about, oh, okay, maybe not really. But, uh, you know, you know, I, I actually just watched uh, – like the documentary or rewatch document of Robert Johnson, you know, the guitar blues guitarist. And uh, okay. yeah, it's, you know, it's sort of, yeah, he didn't, didn't really, wasn't really discussed, but I mean, I kind of has its own problems, but uh, yeah. a yeah. bit less organized. I mean, the, mm-hmm. the different, different sets of problems, but uh, yeah, I, I guess, I mean, there's sort of, you know, you could argue like uh, just, on one extent, the people using straw men, I mean, using a straw man is a pretty standard way of being lazy. So, I, you know, it could just be intellectual laziness. Dog whistle. One, yeah, that, 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 yeah, it'll be some, some people will do it. I mean, but basically, you know, that's all, all they, that's all they've got. So sure. uh, they're, they're grasping a straw, so they'll do it. The, the other issue is, uh, <laughs> Historically, I mean, how how the I'm I'm not that much of an expert on Marxism, but certainly, uh, I I believe it would be safe to say that a lot of the uh, um, there there was there was a lot of misrepresentation of what of what some of the Keynesians said. I think it was oh, 
Tardish? Oh, it was a Canadian. Like he had a, a textbook that was competing with Samuelson. And they, you know, basically got misrepresented. And that was it. It was there was a deliberate strategy of misrepresenting economists to go after them, you know, in the, the Red Scare days, which was enough, oh, they're they're communists. And so to certain extent, they just, you know, they did rely on you misrepresent rather than discussing just basically yeah a dog whistle just say oh no they're 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 unsound and that would be it uh it'd be another way to do it i mean to what extent it's a lack of respect of the people it, it's going to depend it's going to it's hard to say because you have to remember though there's a lot of straw man attacks on mmt so <laughs> you think <laughs> uh, it's it's come it, it, most of them are like that. I mean, if you look at it, like in terms of a volume, I mean, there, there are good critiques out there, but they're very hard to find. Like just, you know, if I see something, like I say, if I see something, someone's written something with MMT, 99.9% chance it's not good. And a lot of it will be, a, you know, a, a straw man is a standard thing. So I don't know. I mean, it's hard to, I mean, there, there's so many of them. It's not clear what their motivations are. So, uh, you know, it, it's, I, I, I can't, go too far about you know why they're doing it but it's a, it's an exceedingly common tactic and uh, you know in some cases i you know i think there was a deliberate strategy of misrepresentation by certain prominent people economists so and, and then they just said okay it'll just get repeated and then uh, that was it you know you, you like of krugman he says mmt says x well it's just going to get uh, uncritically picked up and fine i mean that's the thing so if, if all someone knows is krugman well okay it, it sounds stupid because all they know about it is what krugman says it says uh and it, it sort of turns a, a little bit into this uh you know, he's misrepresented it. And when people objected to that, said, oh, well, uh, but you said, you know, he, he, he basically is thinking what Calvin Ball was, is that he made up something like he made up a misinterpretation when people object to that. Oh, well, you're objecting to me and misinterpreting. Oh, this is Calvin Ball. So mm-hmm. it's, it's related to that one that, but it's, yeah, it, it's, it's a bit hard to say, but certainly it is an attempt to minimize, you know, to minimize a the theory, uh, uh, marginalize the people, ju- just attempt to to make it look ridiculous by just making up very, uh, very you know, you know stupid being ridiculous. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> make make them look ridiculous. So, yeah, it's um, to certain. If you lo- go back the way, like you know, some of the early Keynesians were, they, it's a playbook. It's it's a playbook that's been used in the past. It's this sort of thing. You just just misrepresent it, and the the thing is, is people aren't going to dig. So that that's sort of the end of it. Hmm. And that's that was certainly the strategy that was being employed is that to what extent they heard about it, they misrepresented and hope it all went away. And it was basically Stephanie Kelton's book. I mean, uh, there was uh, AOC. Uh, she brought it up and then there was Kelton, which I believe was before Stephanie Kelton's book came out and it became impossible to ignore. And that's when all the other articles came out. But the thing was, is that after a while, just making up stuff, uh, which was the initial strike, looked stupid because then people like me could just rip it to shreds and people (laughs) would see that. And, you know, I'm not exactly highly prominent, but 
you know, would get passed along, say, well, wait a second. I mean, they're talking about stuff that's obviously nonsensical. So they had to up their game at least a little bit. And so some of the critiques are, they're actually, you know, at least relying on out of context quotes and things like that. But they've, you know, they've sort of stepped, you know, they've been forced basically because of those events to at least begin to address. But but certainly in the early day, if you, this wasn't, this is not true of all MMT, like obviously like the post-Keynesians, this wouldn't be necessarily true. Like they had debates in journals. So they, they, they were arguing with the MMTers whether they're misrepresented or not, but that, that would sort of depend. But if you look at the mainstream, the, the, the tactic was to ignore it for as long as possible. Sure. Um, yeah, and and it's you know the, many of these papers, even the good faith ones, the debate is really not in the papers themselves; it's in the assumptions underneath it. Yeah. So it's like so like for example, I, I interviewed Dirk and Oscar in in because of a they wrote a response to what I consider I think is a good faith critique, which is in my post. Um, but their response was really not addressing the paper directly, which frustrated the the author of that paper because it's questioning the assumptions themselves. Um, yeah. So it's, you know, it's outside of that paper because the, the assumptions are just not questioned and we're coming in and we're, and we're, we're undermining what, you know, what the paper is based on. Um, I think that's pretty much all the, the, uh, the, the tactic stuff. If, um, if, we're, we're pretty much at 11. So if you, if you, there is, you know, we, we've been pretty kind of negative focused. So if there's anything you feel like, you know, kind of round this out and, or I don't know, maybe put a, a little bit more of a positive spin on, on, on part of this issue, yeah. um, you know, please do. Well, I mean, on, on the positive side, I mean, the, the point is that you are seeing at least some actual good faith debates, but I think though, it has to be rephrased. You can't really just say, oh, uh, debate MMT. I, I, it's too big a topic. I don't think it makes any sense. You can't really, at, at this point, uh, say, oh, I'm going to, is MMT right or wrong? I, I think it's it's too large. You, you really have to say to yourself, well, what are we actually talking about? Is is it what part of MMT? And then you could discuss that. And then it becomes very narrow and it gets basically boring and academic. Uh, I mean, for me, okay, I can find that interesting, but for most people, it's not really that exciting. Like, uh, you know, let's say the external constraints and you're arguing about, okay, what is, what's the effect of exchange rate uh, on the economy, blah, blah, blah. I mean, that's because the actual answer discussion is going to be there's a lot of nuance a lot of well maybe this maybe that and it's going to be a lot less exciting than you know some of these topics but that's really going to be i i think you have to sort of discuss policies and the thing rather than i mean you can't really just say wave a magic wand solve the problem you still have to say well what are the policies we're going to enact what is it we want to do and then you have to discuss those policies Take, for example, let's say a Green New Deal. What exactly is involved? I mean, like, you know, the, the MMT side, a lot of it will be sort of financing. Okay, you can use workers from a job guarantee, but a lot of it still is going to be, well, what exactly are you doing? And uh, that's that's sort of the debate. Like, what is the optimal? How do you provide power? Uh, how, do you, how do you reduce energy consumption? You know, that's... 
challenging a little but but really and then it's 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 actually not really it, the more you go the less has to do with economic theory it's more well it's maybe practical economics like what are the effects what do you think is going to happen in a lot of cases well you know the answer is we don't know and you just have to do your best so it's if things are healthy uh you it would just be a question of there's me a debate about economics topics with mmtiers and other people on different sides of the issue and you know you can have it'll probably be more an ideological split but where where people are but it's it's not just going to be straight like it was a little bit more obvious in the last cycle in the last cycle because of the austerity policies there it was very much here's mmt view here's a, there was a a gulf between them and it was tied into uh well is it a good idea to have austerity policies to a certain extent mmt won that debate and uh there there isn't that much serious dis- discussion of austerity policies so it, it's coming down to other things like well how do we actually deal with this virus and blah 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 what about trade policy uh, uh and and so I mean, it's it's healthier, maybe less exciting, like from the point of view of the MMT is going to be less in the news. Because uh, in most cases, it's not really just a question of financing. You know, how do we finance this or whatever, whatever the, you know, that's not really the argument. It's like, what should we be financing? And and hmm. those questions still need to be dealt with. But that's the thing is that that's sort of like what concrete changes do we want to make for a better society? And uh, you know, it's a, it's a it's a healthier place to be because the like uh, you have to accept the fact that hey, MMT won won the debate about austerity. No one's really pushing the idea anymore, other than yeah. You know, I mean, there there are some sound money bugs, but things have moved on. I mean, right? You know, in in macro, the big debate is okay. How do you contain inflation? And the I mean, right now, everyone is convinced that raising rates will do it. And it's just a question of, well, if we do 50 instead of 25. So that's sort of it. So that's really what everyone's focused on. Like, if, if you want to get some excitement now, you got you to be talking about inflation. I mean, uh, at least like, like market com. I mean, I don't, I, don't I, I mainly sort of follow sort of market-related economics, which does get into politics, but it's not. Uh, you know, policy for the sake of policy, but uh, that would be it. And the thing is, is that people people really want a quick solution, and the quick the quick solution is, hey, we're going to hike rates, and the inflation problem will go away, and that's what everyone thinks is going to happen. So. You know, it's just a question of how fast. So there's not that much of an interesting debate because and that gets picked up on because everyone thinks they know the answer. And uh, it might be the wrong answer, but uh, they don't. The, the, well, for, the thing is, is if inflation falls anyways, and, you know, if they raise rates and inflation falls, they'll just claim victory. So uh, and that's realistically the most likely outcome, I, I think. So uh, it's it's pretty hard to, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a tough, it's a tough debate to get into right now. Mm-hmm. I actually just uh, just coincidentally read a, a really good uh, paper by John Harvey that I, th- I thought he wrote just a few months ago, but it was actually from last year, where he says inflation, there's always winners and losers. There's never just losers. Um, but you, you said before that 
you know, you basically alluded, they don't want the policies. I mean, they, they, they don't want the policies, or maybe you didn't say this. This is what I, they don't want some of these policies. They just don't want them, but they don't want to admit that. And so therefore it's like kind of analogous to, you know, the debate is not in the papers. It's in the assumptions underneath the papers, which frustrates the people. So in the same sense, they don't want the policies, but they don't want to admit that. So they have to revert to to undermining the theory that underlies them. Yeah, yeah the uh, well, certainly. Uh, well, I mean, the, the assumptions. It's but anything involving the classical uh, is 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 a debate involving the assumptions because to a certain extent, what defines the mainstream is they accept certain assumptions, and heterodox people don't. And uh, like you know, there is a division, you know, a right-left divide within mainstream economics. They don't agree necessarily on policies, but they all agree on the assumptions. And uh, so the the sin in their eyes of uh, heterodox is that they're questioning assumptions. They don't mm-hmm. want to. They don't want to. They, you know, they they're happy to debate policies, but they don't want to discuss the assumptions. As long of, as you don't question the questions and you yeah. don't question the assumptions, then you can say whatever yeah, you like. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's it's uh, and that's the thing. But you have you have to sort of play by you know their rules, and uh, to a certain extent, you know, and you know the it's interesting, like like from my point of view. But you know, the problem is for that. Does it really matter? Like the the policy results matter, the, and let's say the the assumptions are wrong. Well, so what? And that's, you know, the, you need to answer that so what question. And part of the thing, there was a huge wave of heterodox papers uh, after the uh, paper books that, you know, after the financial crisis going, yeah, yeah, ne- <laughs> you know, neoclassical uh, economics all wrong. I mean, I was part of that wave, but <laughs> the, the tail end of it. But the, the thing was, is that you, it only goes so far. Well, they didn't predict the financial crisis. Well, yeah, great, but you know that's that's like a decade old. You know, I mean, who cares? I mean, you know, at, at some point you got to say, what is what are the issues that matter right now? And mm-hmm. yeah, it's uh, like we're still talking about the 2016 election. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and so so yeah, the uh, we the, I, I everything sort of really should be policy based, and uh, that's it. I mean. Uh, you know, sort of the narrow focusing, like the really worked on the austerity poll, the, the euro, like you know, the construction of the euro. But right now, the what everyone's concerned about is is inflation. So it's a different, uh, different environment. So it's made a different set of issues. Things will change. Maybe it'll get back to f- fiscal policy being exciting again. But but right now, uh, everyone's freaking out about inflation. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, Brian, thank you. Thank you for doing this. This was kind of this was this turned out to be very uh, rather unusual, kind of among the sure. topics that I talk about. You know, this kind right. of just standard bullying tactics is kind of yeah. is kind of really what it was. So, you know, thank you for yeah. being flexible with that. I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, it's yeah, it's, it's something I guess you know. I, I mean, I don't think about it, but but certainly you see it. I mean, I don't. I I mean, my point of view is I don't really want to worry. I don't want to worry about the motivations it's not my concern but uh i certainly have to zone out i mean i i've largely i found that it just it just annoys me i mean there's a few good papers but they're they're terrible like what i see cause like i mean, like i said i'm mainly on twitter for for social media and uh, i get news off there you know follow it for links or you know and and but that's the thing is that as soon as MMT comes up, it's just usually painful, and uh, <laughs> uh, the 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 criticism. So it's 
realistically, uh, it's, it's got to sort of fo- focus on policy and uh, uh, constructive things. I think that's really it, because uh, otherwise, it, it, it's it's a little bit of a dead end at this point. Like in terms of uh, certainly in discussing with non MMTers, I think the the focus really has to be on policy. I agree, and and I see I see this as no, I don't want to dwell on this stuff. But now I kind of, I think I have a grasp on kind of the general tactics and what to expect. And it allows me to be able to kind of recognize it and let it go quicker from this point forward. So, um, yeah. So thank you. Uh, Thanks for doing this. I I appreciate it. I I enjoyed your book. Okay. Thanks. Thanks for that. And I'll see you back on Twitter. (laughs) Sure. Okay. For this show is by Rectech. You can find Rectech on SoundCloud and Spotify at W-R-E-C-K underscore T-E-C-H. To record Activist MMT, I use the iOS phone app Tape a Call Plus for recording phone calls and Zencaster for internet-based recordings. My post-production workflow starts by editing on the iOS app AnyTune Pro Plus then transferring those timestamps to my Windows desktop. At that point, I crudely process the audio in Audacity and then implement the edits and do all the final processing in the Reaper Digital Audio Workstation. Activist MMT is hosted by Libsyn and the video teasers are created with the online Headliner app. Today's part three of my three-part conversation with author, financial analyst, and applied mathematician, Brian Romanchuk. In part one, we talked about his journey to MMT and his 2021 book, Modern Monetary Theory and the Recovery. In part two, and today in part three, 
we talk about the various techniques used by bad faith critics of MMT. More broadly, these are some of the things simple bullies do when they would prefer their followers to think they're not bullies. This interview was inspired by Chapter 5 of Brian's book, his recent appearance on MMT Podcast, and my own post of several good faith critiques. Links to all these things can be found in the show notes. This interview inspired me to write a new post summarizing the techniques Brian and I discussed today, plus my own definition of a good faith critique. You can find a link to this post in the show notes, and you can go directly to it at activistmmt.org slash bfc hyphen techniques, bfc for bad faith critic. That's activist.org slash bfc hyphen techniques. These techniques are not exclusive to MMT, of course, but Brian and I share several anecdotes and link them to actual critiques and critics. And now let's get right back to my conversation with Brian Romanchuk. Enjoy. <laughs> 